Justin True, triathlete, hybrid athlete, ex MMA fighter, and how how would you explain this, Jose? Which part? The triathlon. How would you say it? I say he's the baddest mofo in the planet right now. Right now, but no one, no one's heard of him though. This is true. (laughs) No one's heard of him. That's why I'm like, dude, I'm surprised you're not as busy as you should be. So I thank you. Justin, for being on the podcast, you are a bad mofo, <laughs> and uh, you, like that the the titles you've done thirty six hundred mile triathlon. Yes, now I have. Now I can, can say I have. Can Can you put that in perspective for all the listeners? Like we're we're kind of starstruck because um, not everybody can say they did a thirty six hundred yeah. mile triathlon. So I think today I did the math. I mean, I'll be wrong. I know the swim is like a, thir- it's like 13 Ironman swims in a row. Um, the bike, I think it ends up being 50 or somewhere between 50 or 60 of Ironman cycles in a row. And then I think 20 to 30, uh, Ironman marathons in a row. So, okay. So that's, I guess. Yeah. So from Florida to California, but you were at, uh, the Florida Keys, correct? Or correct, yeah. There? Yep. Okay, so 32 mile swim, but you were going off and on because gotcha. the current. Yeah. Florida Keys to Miami in water, 3,000 miles cycling from Miami to San Diego. Yeah. And then 600 mile run, San Diego to San Francisco. How many days? Uh, total was 46. I was projecting 31 to like max 37. So just a lot of hiccups in the road, a lot of things that you can't plan for over that. So it took me 46, which in a sense is harder, I guess, because I wanted to be done. And, and you did it all on your own money, correct? Yeah. Yep. What made you do that? I mean, like not everybody's like, holy crap, you know, I'm going to quit my job or, you know, take a month off and say, Hey, I'm going to support myself and get everybody down there because I heard you had some people from UK come down Yep, and everything else. And, uh, what did you have like an epiphany Were you just like set on just getting away from everyday life situations? <laughs> no, how I, did that come about? Because when I do something, when, when I think of something, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go from one town to the next, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like we did this last Friday, you know, and these are big numbers. Yeah. <laughs> like these, these are numbers of like massive proportions. Yeah. yeah. And if, this what? took about two years to prepare, right? That's what yeah, I, just, just about from, you know, conception to finally doing it was about 18, 20 months total. Wow. I took then, about a year off of work for this. Um, yeah, so I haven't worked in the last couple in the last year. I'm excited to get back to work. I really want to work. I really want to get back my finances. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I you know, there's no big epiphany. I just like I said, I just like doing stuff nobody's ever done, and I never heard I, people. It started out. I was working out in Connecticut, and I messed with my buddy who uh, used to be my coach, best friend, and MMA and everything, and. I always bounce these ideas off of him, like pulling the car for the marathon, bounce that off of him. And he's, you know, as long as they get a good, he's, he's like me, but he's got a full-time family. So, you know, he doesn't go out and do these things anymore, but as long as I can get a good reaction out of him, I know I'm onto something that's going to be 
you know, kind of a shock factor. And, uh, yeah, I sent him a message like, Hey man, you think I should cycle from like Connecticut back to Oregon, like back home? And he's like, yeah, I'd be cool. And I was like, no, it's not what I'm looking for something a little more. <laughs> and you know, everybody does that. Not everybody, but like there's a race across America. There people do it all the time. And so, yeah. you know, I, I'm not like this crazy athlete that can like compete at the top levels, I think, or I don't really care to, I don't care to try to be the best in anything. I just care to be the best version I can be. So I don't care to go into triathletes or, or sorry, like triathlons or Ironmans or anything compete with somebody else. Like, you know, I think it's like the complete definition of like the only person you should compete against is the person in the mirror. Like that's all I want to do. So yeah, uh, I spent my years competing against people on the basketball court or in the cage and just kind of, I didn't really get any like pleasure out of it. And so I can like push myself and realize that like I'm the toughest person I can mentally try to beat. So eventually it kept spiraling. Well, what if I cycled to San Francisco where I'm initially from and then run to Oregon? He's like, yeah, you're getting there. And I was like, well, we're already two thirds of the way there. Why not throw in a swim? So (laughs) now we have the triathlon. (laughs) Ultra triathlon. (laughs) Man. Okay. Push, push it against yourself is, is one of the hardest things to do. And like, when it comes to the ultras for me, like I no longer worry about where I place. I know mm-hmm. I don't worry about where I finish. I worry about if I finish. Yeah. And this, this is one of those things where I can see myself, if I were to ever attempt this, I could see myself about a hundred times wanting to quit. Oh yeah. Every time pushing through that, that level of quit mm-hmm. is like a little mini victory, you know? Dude, yes. So yeah, this is, these are big. And, and you had those moments too. You oh, yeah. had those moments. I, I heard uh, on one podcast that uh, you wanted to quit in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then, yeah, a, a couple times too. And you, you get hit, you didn't quit, but then you had all these injuries and you, not once did you say that you wanted to quit, you know, with the foot, the staff, mm-hmm. you kept going, you kept grinding, but those early on when you were in Florida, there's a few times that you're like, I want to quit. I want to quit. I want to quit. You, you mentioned, you mentioned fake it until you make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think you need to come up with another saying, man. <laughs> it's just, I really uh, do. I think you that's know, a I, good, good saying. I've, I've done a, uh, you know, I, you know, I learned how to swim exactly this time last year. Um, I did a sprint triathlon a couple of years ago, like couple, couple, like probably like five years ago, maybe. Yep. Uh, then I did the iron or the, the triathlon with the 90 pound hammer mm-hmm. and still like, I don't know. I rode my buddy's bike who he's five, two. And I rode his bike, both tires blew out on like whatever, how many miles the ride was. And so mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, well, I'll learn how to swim. I rode a bike when I was younger. So how hard can it be? And running, I just know, like, I'm going to have to be the toughest version of myself I can possibly be. And so one, one required skill. The other one just required pedaling. And I feel like we can all do that. It just is boring. And the third one required being tough. And that's just kind of, everybody's like, Oh man, have you done Ironman? No, man, I'm just, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a triathlete by any means. we'll, We'll talk about your, uh, your way of how you train for this yeah. <laughs> or lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> the, you did this and you wanted to make a statement on mental health awareness, correct? What's the, uh, oh gosh, what's the cause or what's the, the program? 
Uh, it's called Bigger Than the Trail. Bigger Than the Trail. And it can, can mm-hmm. you explain uh, to the listeners what the, it all entails? Yeah. So Bigger Than the Trail is a uh, mental health charity that provides three free months up front for anybody who wants to try out therapy that's never done it before or has done it before and they just want to try out theirs possibly. Uh, it's a super scary thing to go into therapy and be vulnerable and open up to somebody. Um, I just actually got back into therapy after all this. Cause now I face my own kind of questions of who I am in life. Um, after all this, cause I'm confused, I'm lost. I pretty much lost myself out there on the road. And I was so comfortable opening up to my past therapist that it's scary opening up to somebody new and like, Oh man, I already did this. Now I have to do it again. And, you know, as a bigger person, people don't see that as like a, a you know, as a scary thing, like, Oh, you're a big guy. You're fine. It's like, you know, it's a stigma we face. Yeah. So yeah, uh, all the funds raised were to go to them too, to help them be able to pay for those therapists to uh, provide therapy for other people who want to come check it out. It's a huge financial burden in the States. So it's cool that you yeah. don't have to work those first three months, stress-free, go in there, open-minded and just, you know, let it all out. And if you don't like it, you didn't lose anything. Dude, that's awesome. Do you mind if I uh, put that detail on the uh, on the description of the podcast? Definitely. And then I started my own nonprofit organization that's called True Dreams Project Fund. Okay. And basically, it's, you know, now that I'm in a boot, I for a walking boot, I can now pursue that a little bit more instead of my own like physical feats for the yeah. next however many months I'm in it or weeks I'm in it. But, you know, till I'm training back to something else, uh, I just want to be able to help other people. So by creating this nonprofit, it helps me not get in such a giant financial hole of this that I can start helping support other people who have, you know, crazy endeavors like this. And they're like, Hey man, I want to do something like this. It's a crazy challenge or an FKT of their own, or there's own little, you know, yeah, tra- yeah. Continental adventure. Like if I can help support them complete a dream, like that's what I want to start my nonprofit to do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, Justin for real, man, <laughs> I applaud you, dude. That's, that's, that's crazy. I, I, I just know. I wish I had somebody helping me. Yeah. along these ways or give me a blueprint or some guidance or anything. If I can be that for somebody else. Cause I know, you know, the peace that it's gave me in my heart and in the life and the happiness it's given me. If I can now give that to somebody else to complete something they've always dreamt to do. And like, that's all that matters to me. Well, and that is why I say you need another saying on fake it <laughs> <laughs> until you make it, man, because that's not fake. That's real. So we've got to come up with another, uh, another saying. Tell me more about your mental health awareness, though. Why? Why? I mean, you speak very freely of it, and mm-hmm. with no no other like remorse. No, you don't think twice. You just spit it out. Yeah. How long has that taken you to just spit out? Because, like myself, I, I'm in. I'm a therapist. Honestly, honest to God, I'm a therapist, a mental health therapist. Okay. He, he's in the same game. He's just an ex Navy guy that does welding and stuff like that. But he also the one of the big things about this this podcast is uh, we always talk about why are you running from your your why are you running because everybody's running from something or doing what they love to get away from something and and it's 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 just a huge reminder what you do and why you're on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's, it's amazing to know that you just speak freely and you don't care. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, just, I'm not worried about it. If someone wants to judge me for it, they can judge me for it, man. I've been judged for worse things, been called worse things in my life. Like I know it's going to help somebody else out. 
if there's one person who, you know, talks bad about me for it, it doesn't matter, man. Like we all got that in life. Uh, I just hope that it helps somebody. Cause I feel I, the vulnerability that I've been able to share through podcasts or through news interviews and the stuff that has came flooding in through social media from somebody seeing that is unreal. I can't even imagine, like, I never thought in a million years where somebody goes, Hey, you know, I've been wanting to kill myself and I can't tell my loved ones about it or my family about it. But it's like, well, then why do you feel comfortable telling me? I'm just a random person. But if they see that vulnerability and the strength in it, and I hope that by just talking to me, maybe that gives them a friend and somebody they just feel like they can confide in and be like, Hey man, I got a friend who actually like cares and will listen and not judge me, not tell, Oh, I'm going to go call the police. Cause that was what everybody told me. They're like, Oh, we're gonna call the police right now. I'm like, Whoa, I just yeah, want someone yeah. to talk to and care about, just care about me for a second. Like slap yeah. me and be like, I love you. Like, you know, but don't call the police on me. Just listen to me real quick. Like that's all we just need somebody there. And so that's what I want to be for people. And it's just absolutely incredible what that's been able to change in me and my perspective on life, my outlook on life is that, you know, somebody cares, somebody wants, somebody feels safe to open up to me. Like I want to be that person for people. And by creating this funnel to bigger than the trail, like, Hey, if this gets too serious and I, you know, this is getting out of somewhere I feel uncomfortable, like, Hey, go talk to bigger than the trail, but I'm always going to be here for you. So yeah, I just feel sharing my story gives some people, you know, something to relate to and be like, Oh, I'm not just sharing this with somebody else. Uh, there's a kid in the MMA gym back in the day that I say this a lot. He was 16 and he came in and I don't know, you guys therapists, you guys know the tactics better than I do. But I was like, you know, he comes up and I'm traveling the world at this time. Like I come back in and I'll take a fight or I'll go do jujitsu tournaments and I'll win and I'll go travel. So he sees it as like, man, you're just like crushing it. Like, like, no, man, what makes you think that he's like, We're doing all this. I'm like, yeah, that's just outside stuff. But on the inside, like, you know, things aren't always the same. And he comes in and tells me like, you know, he's, suicidal and he just wants to like kind of kill himself i'm like why man like this kid came in with his head down wouldn't talk to anybody and after a month or two of just like doing jiu-jitsu he got so much confidence of just being around people who cared know that people aren't going to hurt him and like he's getting these skills and this confidence up the next like couple months he walks in with his head high his chest puffed out we're all like giving each other shit like he's talking trash he's talking trash to us and we're just like you know, we can like beat you. Right. But he doesn't like, he feels he's in a safe, he's in a safe yeah. spot to be able to feel some like brotherly love and contact. And it's like, nice, man, you know, in your safe place, you can open up. And so he started opening up to me about it. I'm like, hold up, man. Like, let me just tell you how, what I think you're thinking. And I just let it all out. And he's like, yeah, dude, how'd you know? And I was like, because man, I'm that same person. Like I think that stuff every single day. He's like, no, you don't. I'm like, how do you think I was so spot on with what you're thinking? Like, I'm not going to be that adult. Who's like, you know, oh, you're just in a phase or, hey, I know what you're thinking. And I know they don't know what I'm thinking. So to be able to connect with him and be like, hey, man, we share the same things. Like, always be able to share this with me. Like, no, I'm going to listen. I've been through the same stuff you have, or at least along the same lines. And I've made it out the other side. You don't have to do what I've done with jujitsu or MMA or traveling or this triathlon. Just find your equivalent in it that you can keep pursuing something in life that keeps you happy and keeps you busy. And so that's why I jump around to all these different things because. I'm still trying to find out what makes me ultimately happy in life. And we're forever changing as people. So yeah. I got to keep adapting. Do, do you have somewhat of a, a, a clue on what makes you happy? Oh man, helping other people, <laughs> I guess. Like That's I good. know a lot of people didn't help me growing up. Um, I was let down a lot and left alone a lot. And uh, if anything bad happened to me, it was because it was my fault and I egged it on. And 
you know, I just never had that one person that actually just told me they love me and cared about me. And so I want to be that person for other people. So if I, these other people came and helped me eventually, like, I just want to give it back. That makes me happy. And that's why I don't care if I spent, you know, however many thousands of dollars doing this and quit my job for a year. Like, I don't care. Like that's all money. Money comes and goes like it's important, but it comes and goes and I work hard. I know I do and I'll get it back. And, you know, I can't get back, you know, spending time with other people that I love and spreading a good message. That only comes once in a lifetime. How old are you, Justin? 30. 30. Oh man. It seems you're like wise old man, but (laughs) young in a young body, you know? So goodness gracious, 30 with so much wisdom. All right. You're a huge advocate and you make light of a tough, a tough topic. So appreciate Mm -hmm. you, man. Thank you. Can you tell us and the listeners the story on when you were uh, detained or kidnapped? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So how to expedite that one. That's a long one. Um, I just, (laughs) again, one of these crazy things, I uh, forgot where I came back from. I was backpacking somewhere and came back into America and was like, oh man, I don't think anybody's ever walked across Africa before. And I just wanted to go see the world. Um, I'd already been traveling and there's a lot of people who are like, you know, this place is dangerous. They'll cut your head off. And it was like Bali. I went to Bali on my first trip. I didn't know it was this like honeymoon suite like place. I just picked the furthest place in the world I could travel to. And everybody's telling me like, oh, they hate us there. They'll cut your head off there. I go there. I'm like, it's not how it is. Like, I go to all these different countries and like, everybody loves us. Like every, like, I mean, like, I don't know. People just love us. Like everybody's treating me nice. Like people are taking me in who don't even speak the same language. And so I'm like, man, like I want to go to these different places and find out, like, you know, find out the hospitality around this world. And, you know, I went to, or no, that was after. So go to Africa, pretty much set off in like a month or two people plan like lifetimes for this trip. Like I'm like two months later, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm in Egypt. Let's go. It's crazy. So, Crazy. Uh, I started walking across Egypt and I made it about three weeks through and, uh, eventually, you know, throughout, it, I slept on the side of the roads. I slept, I walked during the night, slept during the day. Cause it was like 115 out. And so, you know, I'd sleep at gas stations cause they, people lived in their gas stations. Mm-hmm. And so I'd sleep there and people would be like, you know, what time do you want? I don't know. We didn't speak the same language. I spoke a little bit Eric Arabic from like being there long enough to where I could like talk about food and time and destinations. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, I'd be like, Oh, I want to get up at 7 PM or something. And they on the dot at 7 PM, the guy would walk in with a breakfast platter or something or dinner platter and send me on my way. And I'm like, we didn't even speak the same language. And you guys are giving me a place to sleep. Like your queen bed, like your bed that you're, you're, you and your wife sleep in, you guys are giving it to me and I don't want it, but you won't let me like sleep on the ground. There's so much hospitality and love in the community. But yeah. as it goes to say, the government there is not very nice and friendly. And uh, everybody has gone to see that like Egypt's government is like, or Egypt in general is the hardest to get across. As I started my journey, there's a guy, Mario Rigby, who finished, but he was going south to north. Mm-hmm. And then the guy named Levison Wood, who walked through Egypt a little bit, um, following the Nile, they both had said Egypt is the hardest country to get through. Uh, just the government and their different zones and everything. So I ended up getting picked up by a military truck at one point or a rebel truck. I don't know what it was. And uh, yeah, I just kept getting shuttled from point to point to point. I didn't want to get in at first. It was a big hassle. I just thought we were like joking around and they wanted to give me a ride somewhere. I'm like, oh, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going to Luxor. Like not South Africa. Like that sounds stupid. Like 
The equivalent yeah. is if you walk from San Francisco to New York back to San Francisco. That's the length of Africa. So if yeah. you met someone in like, you know, San Francisco and they're like, oh, you want to like drive me across the States and drive me back? You'd be like, you're not going there. Like, you know, so I was like, I'm going to Luxor. It's like 80 miles away if that, like really close. Yeah, it was 80. It was really close though. This is back in like 2018, I believe. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to just make it realistic. So I got picked up and at first it started out semi-friendly. They took me to dinner. They blocked off the whole restaurant um, like security out front. And then I ended up getting food poisoning from that place. Everybody's trying to bust in cause they want to see like the white blonde dude that nobody's ever seen before in the middle of nowhere and villages. And so, yeah, I get back in the truck. They shuttle me to fish keep shuttling me off. They have like different checkpoints and they give me off to one checkpoint and put me in a truck and then give me to another people. And as it kept going on, they got more and more aggressive. Like, just a lot more unfriendly. Like, yeah. I don't know what the word is for, but just, you could tell it was, it wasn't as nice. Like were they, they asking put me out, question, they, more questions or huh? were they asking you more questions or no, like, because nobody spoke English. So oh, <laughs> like man. it was That's all like a bunch of hand length, hand signs and everything and get in the truck. And, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to walk. And they just kept saying, no, get in. And so they'd make me walk during the day, but not at night. And then when I got closer to the checkpoints, they would put me out. So it was weird how like they wouldn't, I don't know, it was like, they just wouldn't let me have water. They wouldn't let me stop during the day. And then when we got close to checkpoints, they put me in the truck. I think I said that backwards, but they put me in the truck. Yeah. And it was weird that close, when I got closer to civilization, they put me in the truck. And I think it's because what I've seen in a lot of countries is they're so worried about locals hurting you. They want to protect you because if you get hurt, it gets like national news or international news because you're a white person in this country. And we already had that incident. I went to a wedding in around Egypt and it was the same deal. They took all our passports because this church got bombed like a year ago. Yeah. So they want to make sure that like all the white people are safe because they're like, mm. if anybody else gets injured here, it doesn't make news. But if you're an American and you get injured here, it's like front page news because we just make it a big deal or in the world of you know politics, it's a big deal. Even though I'm like nobody to them. Uh, it's just how it goes for them. So they just, wanted to keep us very, very safe, but also you don't know what they're doing until somebody breaks it down for you. So, you know, they have my passport, they have all my stuff and they're keeping me safe. And so it got to the point, (laughs) quote unquote safe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got food poisoning after that day. They didn't really let me ever eat. They put me in a hotel the next night. So I was like, Oh, cool. Like we're good. Uh, That's cool. A hotel. And, uh, they're like, what time do you want to get picked up in the morning? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like, let's say nine. So I knew I could wake up at like six and get out and like sneak out. And so uh, I go down that night to go like down to a, you know, a shop on the corner and get some drinks and some food. And uh, they're all waited. They're all waiting outside. And I'm like, I can't escape. They're going to be here all night. And I have a picture on my phone of looking out the, looking out the window. And there's just an escort of like military vehicles or like, wow. you know, For like one guy. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, man, like there's like at least six, there's at least six. And I'm like, wow, this is intense. So yeah, I get back in the car. They drive me to the outskirts. There's one day where, where I'm sitting in the back and like, I don't know, man, I'm still in a good mood. Like you can't really put me in a bad mood. And we're, we're, going, we're going through one spot and they put it like an AK 47 between my legs. Like I'm holding it. Like they need someone to hold it. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. 
and I'm like elbowing them. Like, Hey man, I'm like one of the boys. Like I'm trying to like pretend that I'm one of them now. And like, they're just not having it. I tried taking out my phone and like filming it, just like joking around, <laughs> smile on my face. And they're like, they weren't having it. So I don't know. It was just funny to me. And then you need to be going locked up abroad. Or I should probably be on idiot abroad, honestly. <laughs> what were your thoughts then? I mean, were you like, just take me now? Or, I mean, it sounds like you were just going with the flow and <laughs> just seeing what's next. Yeah. Just that, honestly, just that, um, I got to a, we got to finally a checkpoint like three days later or so after just the constant, you know, uh, wherever we slept the first night or first night we went through the night, second night was the hotel or something. And then, uh, yeah, we, where's this one? This was like, I met some chief at the, each, each checkpoint had like that hierarchy of who was in command, obviously. And one guy was super cool. I thought he was going to like, let me go. His son came over. He was driving like a BMW. He was a dentist. Like he spoke English. He just came down to meet me. So they were like bringing people in to meet me. Cause I was like a celebrity. But then they just like shuttled me off. And I'm like, this is, um, it was confusing. It was like the hospitality was not there. They were very hostile, but at the yeah. same time, like I was getting treated kind of cool by other people. So I'm like, huh. where are we at? It was really like, that's that Stockholm syndrome, man. Where, <laughs> you know? So I get to a checkpoint finally and we stop. It's middle of the day. I feel terrible. Like I'm still sick from that restaurant. Um, this guy takes my passport and he won't give it up. And I kind of know like this place is the aggressive place. Like I'm walking by people and they're like kind of shouldering me. They're kind of like checking me with their guns. And in my head, like, I don't know, man, I used to fight. So I'm like, I can take all of you. And I was like, all, but I've never really used a gun. So I was like, once I have a gun in my hand, I'm done. Like I can take the gun, but I'm done after that. And so, yeah, it was really frustrating at that point. Cause now I'm getting kind of angry. Like I feel sick. And at the time, looking back now in hindsight, I can see he was trying to bribe me. Or he wanted me to bribe them, give them money. Cause he's like, Oh, you want to go to an ATM? And I'm like, no, man. Like, I guess I didn't know how serious it was. And so I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't want to go. Like, he's like, do you want to go to the doctors or hospital? I'm like, no, nah, man. Like, it was just weird. And so, cause finally I got sick and I was laying on the sidewalk and they wanted my phone too. I wouldn't give them my phone, but I'm on the sidewalk and I'm like, I haven't told the story in forever. I feel like it's all over the place, but no, 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 no. I'm just amazed, dude, that you're still here. I'm trying to like expedite it because it used, I used to tell it for like an hour and a half. And so I'm trying to expedite. And so it's, I can't tell stories like trying to skip. It's just like, I'll tell you what color shoes I'm wearing. But I was like laying on the sidewalk, like dry heaving everything. And they're all like circled around me, like just kind of laughing at me. Like now I'm getting like pissed, but I'm sick, like dry heaving. I need food. And uh, they just wouldn't take me. I'd get up and I'd go to uh, the chief in command or whatever there and try to talk to him and put my phone on record in my lap. And I don't know how they knew it. Like they could just tell that I was recording it. Cause then he had his little goonie next to him, like grab my phone and he's like, Oh, you need to look, delete it. I'm like, I don't have anything. So I put it in my trash and then, you know, that was that. So he couldn't see it, but uh, they wanted my phone, wouldn't give my phone. And before I left, somebody gave me the phone number to the embassy. So I still have the text on my phone from the embassy. I call him. And I've never walked across the country this time, but I call him. This lady picks up and I'm talking to her and she's like, Hey, what's going on? How you doing? I'm like, well, not good. I'm stuck here. Like I need some help. Like they're not letting me go. They have my passport. Like I'm extremely sick. And like, I'm used to cutting weight and fighting and like losing a lot of water and food. And so I know like where I'm at with it of how safe I am. And now I'm at the point by the end of it of like, if I don't get food, if they, even if they let me go right now and I have to walk to get food, like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like I'll probably die on the road because 
it's a long walk. It's 115 degrees out. Like I'm not going to make it. Yeah. And it started getting closer and closer to that cutoff to where I now rely on them for my survival. And that's when I started getting kind of like worried and angry. And so I'm calling the embassy and she's like, well, why would you do this? And I'm like, do what? And she's like, why would you walk across the country? And I'm like, well, I'm walking across the continent for starters. And she's like, have you ever done this before? And I'm like, yeah, I have. And she's like, oh, where? And I'm like, South America. And I'm, or no, it's in Central America. And I just like didn't want to prove her right. I was stubborn. I was a kid. And I was like, I'm not, she's not right. And she's like, well, why are you doing this alone? I'm like, would it matter if I was with people? They have guns. I'm yeah. like, I don't think it matters if I'm with a buddy or not. And she's yeah. just like, I'm like, okay, are you going to help me? Or are you just going to give me shit? And I'm like, just get the phone to somebody else. And so she's like, well, we just can't interfere because they haven't done anything to you yet. Like if we interfere now, it's an international incident. And I'm like, so great. I have to like get shot something first and then we can make some phone calls. And so finally <laughs> the guy hops on the line and he's super cool. Like we're talking, we're having fun. And I'm like, yeah, man, this sucks. Like, is there anything we can do? Like just being like real with me and really there's nothing. We just had to wait it out. And he just kept in touch with me, which is kind of nice. Like kept texting me, keeping in touch. And, uh, yeah. So I was just kind of being like a big baby. I went in late in the middle of the road cause they wouldn't give me my, my stuff back. So I went mm-hmm. late in the middle of the road just like, uh, what's that scene? Like Lilo and stitch where she's just like laying in the middle of the floor. And so <laughs> I'm laying in the middle of, I'm laying in the middle of the road. Cause it's a checkpoint. So people are driving past it and they're checking people's cars or something. And so I'm laying in the middle of the road and they're starting to yell at me and they come and put like orange barriers around me. And like, Dang it. So I don't even get up. I just start scooting like a slug and I scoot outside the barriers back in the middle of the road. And they're like, no, stop, get up. And they, they won't touch. They won't physically grab me. Like they'll bump me and hit me, but they won't like physically grab me. And so I just kept pissing them off. I kept laying in the road and, uh, I just kept, I kept antagonizing it. And finally there was, you could tell the, the, like the political vehicle or like the government official vehicles. because they'd have flags on the front. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big old van driving down the road, coming through the checkpoint. And I got up and I ran and I jumped on his car, like on the hood. And it was like the chief of this police station that was like an hour away. And so we kind of explained what was going on. Uh, got all the information from everybody, put me in the van, took me off to the police station. And that was like three days of that endeavor. Um, brought in an interpreter. It's like 11 o'clock at night right now. Like brought in an interpreter, told him the whole story. They're like, all right, do you want to sue him? And I was like, no, nah, I don't care. I just want to get back on the road and start walking. Like, I just want to like, let me sleep overnight and get back on the road and go. Um, uh, but yeah, so that was pretty <laughs> much it. And, uh, yeah. So one o'clock in the morning. So I'm in this station. They let me go nap. They bring me some food and a Coke, uh, Koshari or whatever it was, uh, and a Coke and I eat it. Feel great. Um, one in the morning they wake me up and they're like, Hey, we need to go to the attorney general's office. And I walk past, there's like all these dudes, probably like, I don't know, maybe they cross the border illegally, but they're like 20 dudes all handcuffed together in this dark hallway in this like government building that has all the power out, go up into it. And, uh, I walk past everybody. I go straight into the attorney general's office and they sit me down two dudes in like really nice suits. My interpreter, he offers me tea. Um, we're just kind of chatting, having fun. He's like, all right, well, you know, now we got some of the story. We're going to have kind of an official hearing and then, uh, we'll kind of get you on your way. And so I put my phone on record during it. And, uh, so that way when I get back, I can like get it interpreted and middle of the middle of the whole meeting, there's a guy to my right. And he's like, probably my age like good looking dude in a suit. Here I am like a complete bum. Haven't showered in a couple of weeks. 
And all of a sudden you just hear me go like, Oh, Oh, Oh. I like raised my hand and he's like, yeah. And I was like, can I go to the bathroom? Like, I think I shit my pants. And he's like, what? And I was like, I pooped my pants. Can I go to the bathroom? He's like, yeah. So I go to the bathroom and they don't have toilet paper there. So I go into the stall, finish my job. The guard is standing inside the bathroom and I need to like clean myself off in the sink. So I take my underwear off. I go to the sink and I'm like, dude, can you like turn around? And he's just like staring at me. I'm like, just turn around. I'm like, all right, you know what, man, this is, this is your loss, man. You're going to see a lot of things you don't want to see. And so I'm like wiping my butt, my hand, like in the sink, everything, wash my underwear. I go back into the room. I have my dripping underwear in my hand. I go back towards the office. And I hang my underwear over the banner, like outside by the staircase. And he's like, no, grab them. And I'm like, no, man, I'm going to be out in like five minutes. And he's like, no, grab them. And obviously he's just like pointing, you know, not really English. And I'm like, fine, fine. So I walk into this little court hearing of us three, like dripping underwear in my hand, like trying to look him in the, look him in the eyes. Like I'm an adult that just like crap my pants. And yeah, that was it. And so, um, I, uh, you know, we were all good. They're like, all right, well, you know, we need to find someplace for you, safe for you to sleep tonight. Where do you want to go? And I'm like, why don't you just take me back to the police station? Like I'll sleep there. Like I was sleeping there before. Like, let me go in the morning. We'll be good. He's like, is that fine with you? I'm like, yeah, man, it's safe. It's a cell. Like, of course it's safe. And so we go back and I know they're just messing with me now. Cause now I'm laying in the bed and he, uh, some guy comes in and starts changing a light bulb at like three in the morning. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right above, <laughs> right above me, changing a light bulb on a ladder. And I'm like, you guys suck. And so I wake up like an hour later. I'm still sick. So I'm going to the bathroom like, you know, every 10 minutes while I'm sleeping. And so I wake up and they put me in this blacked out van and they start driving me somewhere. And I'm like kind of looking like which way we're going. I pull out my phone and we're going north. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa where are we going? And I show it to the guy like, oh, like we're going to Cairo to go like get something arranged with like I don't know, whoever there and we're, then we'll then we'll take you back nope we go all the way back up to cairo and it's funny there's this guy he was like farva you know from uh super troopers given a gun sweetest guy in the world should never been given a gun he's sitting in front of me and i'm in the back of the van like sleeping and i would see him like taking selfies with me while i'm sleeping i'm like dude you gotta knock it off he's giving me his phone we're friends on facebook and i'm like bro you're not on my side here like you're my enemy here and uh he didn't speak any english at all we go all the way to uh the center of cairo i forget what it's called like el Tahrir square or something like that go right up to the like presidential building i go past everybody go through the metal detectors passing all these lines of everybody waiting and i go right into the president's office of cairo or of egypt and i'm like well this is definitely taken to another level now and he's like all right what what are you doing like you have to leave and i'm like what do you mean i have to leave they said i was good and he's like no you got to go like i'm like go where he's like anywhere doesn't matter just go and i'm like when he's like today tomorrow doesn't matter i'm like oh that's cool i was like all right i'll just book a ticket for like a couple days later to sudan i'll just continue my journey i wasn't done and so i was like i'll just rest a couple days i'm right next to the hostel i was staying at so i got friends there like i'll, I'll kick it for a bit and recover and then fly to Sudan and Sudan, you can't get in without, um, without a visa ahead of time. But I'm like, as long as I'm just not dealing with Egypt, I'm fine. Like I'll deal with my issues there. Like I'll, I'll throw myself into another storm, Ooh, but, uh, man. yeah. So Sudan, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I asked for a lot of trouble. Um, 
So basically, I get my ticket to Sudan. I buy it on my phone. They don't realize there's like the internet, I guess. This is me like talking trash on them because they like bring me downstairs, go across the street to an Egypt air office. Like who has an who has like a, an airline office anymore? Just your phone. And I'm like, no, you guys don't get it. I already have a ticket. Now I'm like pissed. And I'm like stomping across the El Tarir Square back up to the president's office by myself where they're all like chasing me because I'm just like on the run basically. And so this is, this is like Farva. So he's like, hold on, like, we're trying to wait and trying to chase me. And so we run back up there and I'm like, no, nah, man, here it is. Here's my ticket. Like, I'm good. And they're like, okay, you know, you're good to go. So they take me to the airport and I'm like, where are we going? They're like, well, we have to get your ticket. And I'm like, it's not how this works. And so I'm still confused. We start going to the airport and we pull around the back of the airport to like the bay doors underneath the airport. And I'm like, this is not right. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know they had this entrance. And so we go underneath the airport. And they pretty much take me to like the holding cells underneath the airport. And I'm like, wait, I thought I could like hang out. And they're like, no, you have to wait here. And I'm like, I was not aware of this. I haven't even got food yet. Like they told me we could get food after we go to the airport. And as little as they know, I'm never leaving the airport. And my flight to Sudan is like in five days. So I like screwed myself. Now I'm in like a cell. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And so the guys checked me into the cell. They're like, where's your flight to? And I was like, it's Sudan. And they're like, you can't go there. And I'm like, yeah, I can. I'm like, no, you can't. And I'm like, listen, just as long as I'm out of the country, he said I can go anywhere. So ship me there. And he's like, no, you can't. I'm like, all right, what about Spain? And he's like, can't go there. And I'm like, well, that's wrong. Like, I definitely can go there on arrival. And he's like, no, you can't. And I was like, all right, what about like San Francisco? And he's like, perfect. And I'm like, so basically I'm being deported. What you said I wasn't, because I got in the, pre- the talk of the president. I'm like, so I'm being deported. And he's like, no, you just have to leave. And I'm like, so I'm deported. And he's like, you just have to leave. So it was like this back and forth. Um, finally, I get my flight to San Francisco, like three hours, three hours away. I'm like, I need to get out of here. I'm like scared. I don't want to be in the cell. I don't know who's behind that door. Like, so they take me upstairs, take me to like the security office. And I'm sitting with this guy. I'm sitting with Farva and I'm watching like the bachelorette on my phone. I don't know why I literally was watching the bachelorette <laughs> and I'm watching on my phone, sitting next to Farva and, um, I was trying to ask the guy in Arabic for food. And he was like, oh, sorry, like no English. And I'm like, I'm speaking freaking Arabic, dude. Like, <laughs> don't give me that. And so I'm sitting on my phone and he looks at me. He's like, hey, no phone. And he's talking, saying English. He's like, no phones, no phones, no phones. And then I knew how to say like, sorry, no Arabic in Arabic. So I re- so he yelled at me in English and I yelled at him in Arabic saying like, sorry, I don't speak Arabic. And um, <laughs> so... And then I look at Farva and Farva's on his phone. Now I was like a little kid tattletale. I was like, he's on his phone. How come I can't have my phone? And he looks at him. He's like, no phones, both. And I'm like, gotcha. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm still like pushing the buttons. Like, I don't know, man, like I'm fine. And so I start getting walked to the plane. That was an issue. They didn't understand when I got to the plane. They're like, oh, we'll take you to your plane. Like in like four or five hours. I'm like, my flight's in like two hours now, man. And they're like, that was a big issue of when it was like, you need to get my interpreter here now because like, I need to go, I'm going to miss my flight. And so they have my guy, the security guy walking me to the airline to the air to, you know, walking me there. And I was like, so what if I like turn around and leave? He's like, no, go to your gate. And like, you have to board. And I'm like, all right, fine. So we start going down like the little like escalators that just like go straight. And so he walks me to the end of it where my gate is. He's like, all right, go. I'm like, all right, man, later. Have a good one. And he turns around and gets back on the escalator and I turn around and I start following him. 
<laughs> and he's like, what's that mean? I was like, nah, man, I'm just kidding. I turned around and got my plane. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> how, how many days was that, man? That whole, it was like three days. Three days. Yeah, all three right. days, a lot of fun. I made the most of it. It sounds like it, dude. It sounds like you were doing super. Oh my god, you're doing uh, super troopers on them, dude. Did he offer you a liter of cola though? No, I just I got one at the police station. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, Farva, you know that liter of co- cola is uh, is a big hit. <laughs> or a cop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just so, gave him cola. He would have let me go. Right. So, thirty six hundred mile try. Mm-hmm. Detained for three days. Pushing the envelope for three days too. Ex MMA fighter, I uh, you got to be mentally strong and tough, man. So I, I give it to you, dude. I give it like, to you. That's quite the story. I, I'm just at awe. Oh, like I thought I had <laughs> stories, but that trumps all of them. <laughs> I got nothing compared to that. So, dude, I'm glad you're here and, and you made it out because like, you going from one hellhole, Egypt area. To yeah. Sudan, you're just getting yourself in trouble there too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't make it out alive there if you. I was, there. I was I was pushing the envelope on that one for sure. Yeah, so, and then I, I don't know if I'm allowed to go back. Like I love Egypt, I love the people, but uh, like I just I don't know if I'm allowed back. The government is where I'm not, you know, friends with it really. So except for Farva, we're cool. We're still friends on Facebook. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Didn't. Uh... <laughs> Didn't you have like the recording interpreted? Oh, they like thought you were like CIA or something. Yeah, so they thought I was a spy. That I finally got back to America. I got the recording to somebody who could speak fluently, and uh, yeah, they thought I was a, a spy. Uh, they're sitting in the meeting with my translator and the attorney general, and they're like, "This guy, I don't believe anything he's saying. He's a spy. Like, we need to get him out of the country." And I was like, "I am. I'm a terrible spy. If this is the case, yeah, <laughs> I would have gone to you guys and I would have killed you and ran already, but." I'm not. <laughs> All right. So stable question. We're just bringing it down a little. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, that, that's a, that's an amazing yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> How do you build or make or do your PBJ sandwich, man? Ooh, um, slices of bread, singular peanut butter on one jelly on the other together ratio. Oh, peanut butter to bread. To the point of where somebody does not want to eat it for how much peanut butter there is on, where they go, this is just like tar, and I'm like, yes, yes, okay, it's, because they don't want to, they don't want to eat it. Now I can eat it, right? Exactly. Okay. All right. Crunchier, crunchier, creamy. Oh, crunchy all day. Okay. Okay. I, I have to have texture. Yeah. Okay. The uh, there was one guy. He's on another podcast. Really great guy on a podcast called it gravel he's like what in the hell why would somebody put gravel in peanut butter <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that was pretty funny man rogue or deschutes brewery deschutes deschutes okay favorite adam sandler movie oh i would say i just watched the one uh on netflix recently you know the, the hustle hustle yeah i liked hustle hustle was good no. and then there was the the jeweler the, the jewelry run that was like incredible uncut gem yeah, that was great. Okay. All right. I would say hustle because I'm I'm a basketball fan, so I'll go with that. Okay. How how tall are you? Six four. Okay. Yeah, oh, wow. you're a pretty big dude, man. Like you get a lot of uh people like doubting your uh your abilities. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> For real. All right. 
Either or. Run, swim, bike. Which one would you pick? Ooh, for what distance? Just, Just for having fun? Swimming. God, no mm. way. Okay. Dang. Blisters on your feet, saddle sores from the bike, salt chafing. Which one would you take? Ooh, blisters all day. Blisters are easy. <laughs> I, I I don't I didn't get saddle sores the whole time. So wow. you're lucky. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you're lucky. Oh my I, god. I, that's I my business on the bike. Yeah. I take blisters all day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Will you be watching Shark Week next week, July 24th? Man, I'll probably be on it. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, oh yeah F- florida keys equals sharks yes did you see any i saw one oh, probably shit. multiple saw me but i saw one i kicked one. Oh, okay. so yeah it, they they told you to kick it in the nose or people say kick it in the nose and you said yeah. it didn't work correct yeah. <laughs> then somebody came on they're like you know, sharks are sensitive from a shark expert. And I was like, well, speaking as a shark survivor, I have, you know, I'm yeah. not, I can't say I got bit, but you know, just pushing it. Yeah. You ever, you ever watch a couple's retreat with uh, Vince Vaughn when the, oh, yeah. the guys uh, put the chum in there and he's all like traumatized because he got a little scratch. Oh yes. He, yeah. A little scratch by, you know, he, him just hitting his, your story reminded me of that man it's so funny dude it's so traumatic it was like the tiniest shark <laughs> yeah. oh man so did you have someone spotting sharks for you or anything nah i mean i would like to think somebody would see them ahead of time but there was nobody was like a shark expert to spot them you know you have the captain who's up on like his little you know perch but yeah i don't think anybody was had their eyes out they did see the portuguese man of war before we hit him, so that was nice. That's that, that would have been killer, man. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Pun intended. Yeah, man. That'll not be yeah, good. yeah. Yeah, yeah. There. Hardy's in and out or what a burger. I know you hit all those. Uh, I think in and out's highly overrated. Exactly. I'm a, I'm going I'm saying really? five guys. Five five guys. Okay. Five guys. Okay. All right. All right. It wasn't on the list, but it's okay. <laughs> City well, or actually, country? Actually, as, as a disclaimer, I am vegetarian. So I just, I'm really out on all of those. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, In-N-Out, I had grilled cheeses uh, during the triathlon at In-N-Out. So oh, that's man. what it was. I saw the In-N-Out. Okay. Okay. Oh. So, all right. All right. Vegetarian. City or country roads? <laughs> country. Sick of okay. sick. Yeah, you got to stop. Yeah, you got to stop. There's more glass and everything in the cities to pop tires and people. And yep. yeah, you just want to be able to go free Dude, and just mindless, like Why? having to look at the phone and navigate. Yeah. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. Sketchiest meal you ate during this feat oh. during the try? Man, like day two or day three, I was like, hey, can you guys give me like Chipotle or something that's open? I don't care. They come back with Taco Bell, the most notorious gut buster of all time. And I'm like, why would you guys? I was like, whose idea was this? And they're like, oh, it's the only thing open. I'm like, I don't care. We don't get anything then. Like, that's terrifying. Yeah. And then a lot of gas station pizzas. We had a lot. Okay. Yeah. God, man, who? Man, that's crazy. Who was your nutritionist, man? (laughs) (laughs) I was, but I couldn't go shopping. (laughs) Gotcha. Right. 
go-to snack? Oh man. Um, a bowl of oatmeal, protein powder, and berries. That's probably like 2000 calories still. That's my snack. Drink. Oh, during the triathlon or I guess Coke, right. really Coke. Coke, Coke okay. is always yeah, the Coke. Coke is good. Coke, yeah. Coke's my go-to. It's, it's the like, one yeah. that gives me instant. Yeah. And I don't drink Coke ever. It's just during it is like. During, yeah. 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 It's, it hits different. It's, it's different. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's different. Meal. Ooh. During it? Yes. Oh, um, same thing every day. I have the same thing almost every day, three times a day. Wow. Protein powder, oats, and berries. No berries, just protein powder and oats. Uh, while we had the RV in the boat, we had just smoothies. All I had was smoothies. Same thing. Just blended up with a Snickers bar in it. And that was Ooh. all I needed. Oh, Snickers that's, bar. Oh, yeah, that's good too. So, man. All right. How many pairs of shoes did you go through? One. I had the same pair the whole time. I, um, I started out with a size. My feet swell up as is. Even on planes, my feet will swell up a lot. So I knew they were going to get fat. I'm like a size 11, 11 and a half. And uh, I got these pair of Hoka's for that to start with. And then I didn't get my second pair until I was in San Diego. So I was like, I don't need to carry a bunch. I'll just get a second pair somewhere along the way. And uh, day two or day three, day two, we ran by uh, outlet malls and I got some new balances. Super cushy, uh, like the fresh foams or whatever. Yep, yep. Size 12 and a half extra wide. And because I couldn't fit in the Hoka's anymore. So literally from day two onwards, about 400 or 560 miles in those Hoka's. And, uh, my, at times my feet couldn't fit in them. So I swelled over a size 12 and a half. Um, I had to tape my foot to my sandal, like put my foot on my sandal and then taped it to my sandal just to like have like something for a little bit. So Man. one pair, I still got them inner, inner tubes. Oh, um, I had tubes on my Orbea and then on my road bike, I had tubeless. So, okay. 50, 50, man. They're both great. Like, tires. Huh? What kind of tires did you go through? Oh, um, so I got to El Paso and I was like, all right, man, like we were at the point where these tires have been popped several times. Let's get some new tires, some new tubes in El Paso. And we're just going to like fly to the finish. No more issues. Got new tires, got new tubes, like these durable super durable armadillo tires from El Paso, eight pops in like under two days. Um, I didn't even have eight pops the whole time. So before that, so I dug my old tires out of the trash that had the casing exposed. Like that's how dead they were. The casing was exposed. I put those back on. because I got so sick of the, of the new ones, no more flat away. So yeah, I couldn't stay on one, one, one pair the whole time. So no shout out to armadillo tires, huh? <laughs> no, I could, I was so angry at that shop, man. I was so angry. How many blisters did you have to deal with the whole the whole try, man? Oh, uh, I could count them. I would say not more than like ten. Um, from the cleat on the bike, if you saw the foot, the picture of my foot has a hole in it. It was because the hot spot of just like it was my left foot was my like my arch nemesis on the bike as well. Just a hot spot of pressing. And then, you know, I went out the gate pretty fast the first couple of days. I thought I, I should have gone slower, but so many people around you and the energy, I just went for it. And, uh, I just felt it, man, that one step and just poof, whole bottom of my foot blew up into a giant blister. Um, I couldn't get to it. So I had to peel back like all the skin on my foot to get to it. I couldn't cut through with a knife or a needle. So gross, man. 
Yes. Yeah. So honestly, the, every thought I had a lot of uh, blister problems, but like it was that one. And that one was such an anomaly. And then after that, there really wasn't much. I got one on the back of each heel and like, that was it really like wasn't much. And then explain to the listeners, cause your, your accomplishment was supposed to be in the Guinness world records, right? Right. Turned out right. Not, it wasn't. Yeah, no. So basically what happened with the swim is when you apply for Guinness, if you have to be like spot on for what you are. So I didn't complete the swim for what I projected it to be. So therefore it immediately voids the whole challenge. Like there was a guy who swam around the UK and he made it like, you know, three fourths of the way around. And he got like the accomplishment for setting the new longest stage swim. But he's like, it means nothing. If I don't complete my whole challenge, it's automatically voided because that's what you said you were going to do. So I kind of like it. It holds you accountable for doing what you said you were going to do. And I just couldn't do the, you know, the swim. I got medically pulled on halfway through day four. So, you know, it won't be in there anymore, but hey, ho. Yeah. <laughs> man, you still, you still did all that other stuff. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah, I'm with it, man. Yeah. And on top of it, what day were you on when you had the, uh, the staph infection? Um, I think I was halfway on the run, basically. Um, I was about 300 miles in and I think that's kind of where, uh, no, it was under, mm, it was about 250. I want to say 200 to 250 is when it started like peaking, like started getting there, like peaking its head out. And then finally, like at mile 300, it was like, it was painful. Wow. Wow. And we complain about chafing. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Dude, I, just, I saw I this picture I, on your Instagram where it looks like you pissed yourself, but yeah. You're just covered in, in, in Vaseline, Vaseline or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it was not, I mean, I like, I had to, with chafing and everything, I went one day without underwear, trying to give it to breathe. Then my, like my balls start, started chafing because it's hit my oh. legs. So those started chafing. So I'm like, all right, well I'll wear swimming speedos because that way, like it holds everything. And that was great. But then in speedos, you have a really thick, like seam line. So now in that like crotch part, it is super chafed, yeah. which opened that up. The chafing spot got staff in it. Yeah. And so I cut out the lining of my running shorts. So I just had pretty much like a flapping skirt almost. And I covered my whole legs with like Vaseline, <laughs> yeah. which was even worse because now like my shorts are soaked and sticky. So it's just sticking to everything. Yeah. So if you're driving by me, like you can see the outlines of everything. It's very graphic. And I was like, <laughs> if I have to walk through anywhere, I'm just like trying to cover up. And it's like, man, it was a, uh, yeah, it was, it was ah. terrible. Chafin's real. You're yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Your training or <laughs> as you would say, lack thereof, or anybody would say like, can you tell the people what, what you did to train for this huge feat? Like for real, like, what did you do? How did you do it? You've only, you spent time in the water two hours a day, maybe. Oh no. I spent a lot of time in water. Like I, okay. I would do like six to eight hour swims almost a couple times a week. So I do that like maybe once a week, but the other ones were like from three to four hours usually. So I swam a lot. Like I said, I started swimming this time last year um, crazy. from the start. Like I could swim maybe a mile without like, and I'd be gassed a 50 minute mile and I'd be gassed. So I started swimming this time last year. And uh, that's all I, in my head, like how do you eat an elephant? Like you take it one bite at a time. Like I can't worry about the bike. Can't worry about the run. Cause if I don't finish the swim, it all means nothing to me. So I was a, like, it was all or nothing for the, for the swim. 
Don't worry about anything else. When that comes, worry about that when it happens. But right now, focus on this. I love lifting. So I'm going to keep my legs as strong as possible. And obviously, like the rest of the body getting worked out from swimming. So when I hit the bike, hopefully I can have enough like watts and output, strength output on there to where, you know, I fly. And then running, you know, like you go and you prepare for a marathon or an ultra and you're running constantly. You build up these calluses, like this, like pain tolerance or like endurance in your shins and everything. It's like, I'm literally going to go a month without taking like more than a couple hundred steps a day to running. Like whatever, I think what my head, whatever I built up over the year training running would disappear in that month off. You've never heard of anybody being like, oh, I can't like, I'm going to take a month off before my ultra. Like, that would just make no sense. Like my deload is already forced in the triathlon. So yeah. I stress about taking a week off before a yeah. hundred miler. Like I don't want to take any time off. No, you know, because yeah. I feel like I'm going to lose that endurance, yeah. mm-hmm. but I yeah, have to, because you have to be fresh, you know, to me, yeah. it sounds like you, it sounds like you, uh, when, when you focused on the swim, you were focusing on like your most vulnerable point because yeah you were not used to it. Right. Right. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. I'm cool. It was the scariest one for me. And you know, if, if I failed at that, the rest of it was going to be a failure, you know? Yeah. So I focused on it. Like I said, I thought I could bike. So I just pedaled. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was in my head is like the other two, I just have to grind through this one. I can't fake it. And I kept telling myself that, that like the swim was the biggest worry, but I think that was because in my head, I knew that the run was going to be the hardest part. But I couldn't tell myself that. Like when I got done with the swim, I was like, sweet man, it's all downhill from here. It's easy. Got done with the bike. I'm like, cool man. Like, or no, got onto the bike. Like, bike was no worry. And then it's like, all right, the run hit. And I'm like, crap, man. Like, yeah. This is I the part at, I ignore. I look at stuff like we have the Columbia River right here in Tri Cities. And I look at that and go, just swim across that. You know, what's that? A half mile, maybe? Not, 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 even, even. not even. And it's it like, if I were to swim across a Columbia and back, I would be like blown out of my mind that I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that swimming 32 miles is a open water, dude. Uh, yeah. And open water. <laughs> yeah, we would have got further, but the first two days, the first two days was, it was rough. It was like 20 knots, which I don't yeah. know how that is. Most, some yeah. people who know water do, but yeah. It was, it was rough. There was times where they said I'd be up on the side of a wave and I'd go to stroke and nothing would be there or my head would slap the water. Like, I didn't know I was just in it and I was just trying to like flow, but it was, it was gnarly. Then day three and end of day two, we had a storm coming in. So we had to go into Biscayne Bay and then that pretty much blocked us from everything. And day three, like I could just cruise and it was beautiful. But the first two days took everything out of me. I didn't know you could fall asleep in the water. I fell asleep while swimming and that was pretty crazy. Like, twice wow Damn. i didn't know that okay. <laughs> wow. how many miles on bike did you do a day during this? uh my plan was to start low and like build up that adaption to not like you know wreck yourself like check yourself before you wreck yourself where yeah. instead of coming out the gate hot doing 200 a day which is kind of why like you know the saddle stores never kicked in i came yeah. out and i like went i climbed up easy okay. you know so I started with like easy, I guess, I don't know, relative, but I started out with like 120 to like 130 a day for a couple of days, then 150, 180, and then eventually 200s and kind of bounced around there. So 
That was what I wanted the whole time. It just took longer to get into a flow with, with everybody and everything and pop tires. I wanted to average 200 a day, which I didn't, I don't know what my average is. I never did the math, but you know, that was what I wanted. It just took me longer to get into that flow of it, but. You say flow, but dude, you did it in how many days though, man? <laughs> that's a flow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, you just kept going. That's why, dude, the, the more you talk, I'm just like, oh my God, man, you make it sound like it's easy. Somebody can, somebody off the streets can do it, but no, <laughs> that's what I'm like. Just, oh my God, I'm yeah. flabbergasted. Well, yeah. Well, that was like with my training, like you said, like I didn't put much time in, I didn't put any time into running. Uh, I didn't put any time into biking, maybe like three hours a week, if that. Um, on a stationary, I never actually rode my bike until I actually did the triathlon. Um, I rode a couple times like messing around, but, um, that bike was terrifying. It was such a high end bike that like way out of my, like my range where I could even, I felt so uncomfortable with it. Like it was way too advanced, too touchy, but like now it's like a second, like it's like a, you know, a part of me, I just came like part of it, but I just couldn't focus on training. I had to set up the admin for it, the logistics, like trying to get sponsorship and funding and all this other stuff. Like I had time to swim, lift yeah. and row. And then that was it. So how, how many miles did you uh, run a day? How, uh, did I run a day? I think it ended up being, I think if you do the mile, it's like 30 something a day, like 35 oh, wow. a day. Oh, there was okay. a couple of days where I finally started getting my flow at the end of it, which is pretty crazy. I think I finally got into my flow at the end, but yeah. Just a uh, crosser to Kenwick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Multiple <laughs> times a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I started getting into, you know, 50 or so, um, a couple times, 40, a couple times. And there's the days that really ruined my average were like, I went seven miles in 10 hours when I got the hole in my foot, I was walking on the side of my foot to the point of like, I couldn't even, uh, hold on one second. Dogs are crazy. That's just crazy though, man. That's, that's crazy. Oh, it's nuts, man. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's I think it took him like 19 days to do a 600 miles. But still, oh my God, I'm that's, like, that's like a, he did like a 55K every day. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Dude, I, so, I, I, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what I, um, you know, I did seven miles in like 10 hours walking on the side of my foot to the point the next day I couldn't feel my foot, couldn't move my toes. I was super scared. Like I have a lot more to go and I can't use my left foot. So I bought crutches and, uh, started setting off on crutches the next day. And so those, like those days of like low mileage really set me back. There's one point on the coast, right at big Sur. I started out, I did three miles in the morning and I hit the ground and my hands were shaking, like tears were rolling down my eyes. I wasn't like actually crying. They were just like, just drain. I was, I had, I gave everything I had to just go three miles with all that pain with the staff. Yeah. So that was rough. There's a lot of days. Those couple days ruined my average. So, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> you know, ask that question. That was your question. We both put it on there. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you. So what's what's next? What's your next project? Oh man. Yeah. So kind of thought about it the whole time. Um, there's. <laughs> I, I I need to get better at swimming. I'm not an efficient swimmer. I'm just a stubborn swimmer. Um, I want to swim. There's a challenge called like the seven seven channel seven oceans channel which it's like, a, there's a channel in, uh, Hawaii, um, you know, uh, the Molokai channel, there's Gibraltar, one on English channel, the other one on the Northern channel on the other side, Catalina, I believe is one. 
or no, Catalina's not one. Then you have uh, one in New Zealand, one in Japan. There's seven of them. And so people have done it like over their lifetime, but nobody's ever done it. Like, I don't know. I want to do maybe one a week for seven weeks oh and do that. It'd be cool. Um, kind of like, you know, Nims die who did 14 peaks. Like, yeah, nobody, yes. had, ever, nobody had ever done the, the other guy did it like in seven years. So mm-hmm. it's like, he did it as a hobby. He didn't like try to go get it quick. Yeah. And so Nims die came along is like, Oh, I'm going to get it. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be the first. There has been other people who have tried it actually trying to do it, like go, but they've all failed. Um, so I, I would like to get involved and huh? there's a lot of logistics involved Uh-oh. in that. And, yeah. Know, but that doesn't mean that it can, it's going to, it should stop you. I mean, if you I, line it all up and go bang them out, like yeah. that's, it's doable. I mean, yeah, it's just a grind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think that that's my long-term challenge. I know there's going to be a lot of funding for that one. Cause now you're flying around the world several times. Uh, timings, the timing of the year has to be right and everything. Oh, yeah. So that's my long-term one. Um, I'm actually gonna have to train for that one, like proper swimming and like actually in the ocean. So that'll be good. In the meantime, uh, I want to do like the Denny stones, which are like these old feats of strength stones in Scotland that I was initially preparing for before I like draw, drew up this, uh, triathlon. I was training for that. I guess that's why I was like on the stronger side is there's like 733 pound stones and only like 125 people or so lifted them in the world. So that's kind of like where I want to, what I want to do next, but I need to get back on my foot and so on and so forth. And uh, a couple other things that are just like in the woodworks, but got to work on, you know, healing up first. Yeah. 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 And then, um, I wanted to ask you, I know, uh, you train with Hector, right? Uh, mm-hmm. with, yeah. Can you explain to the listeners what you guys are a part of with that, with Wolfpack? Yeah, man. So, uh, Wolfpack's pretty cool. Like I know we kind of talked about this to start like lone wolf and Wolfpack and, I always with fighting, like, yeah, we have a team, but I always consider myself like a lone wolf. Like mm-hmm. I just like doing stuff on my own. Like, you know, uh, you don't get let down by anybody. You don't have to rely on anybody. So, you know, I was always kind of like a lone wolf until came across Wolfpack and realizing like how beautiful the community is when you have other people on your side. Like the whole saying goes, you know, when you want to go fast, go alone, you want to go far, go together. And like, that's kind of what like the overall triathlon, like, you know, encompass that, like so many people from the Wolfpack came all like came out, like people in Florida, like the, the Southern tip of Florida, the North part of Florida, Alabama, um, Mississippi, New Orleans, Texas, like almost at every state we had someone, but New Mexico, don't know who lives in New Mexico. Um, you know, like it was just cool. Uh, yeah. and Hector has been the person who is like, you know, I guess like the lead wolf and the alpha wolf and all this, like he just, he started like calling it the Wolfpack and started it in San Diego. And now it's became this, I don't just community across the country throughout the world. Really. There's people like in different countries and continents that, you know, are all part of the wolf pack. And, you know, people always ask like, Oh man, what does it take? Like, can I be in the wolf pack? It's like, man, like I just say this, like, I'm just, you know, the member of it, but like what heck would <laughs> just giving back, man, mm-hmm. just giving back to the community, trying to help others like succeed and be the best version of yourself and help them be the best versions of, them, of themselves. Like I think it's kind of where along he would say, but yeah. Okay. What's your dream adventure, man? Walking across Africa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Without being kidnapped. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't like losing. I feel like I lost. I need to reclaim it. What about the states and the states? Oh, a challenge in the states? Yeah. 
I don't know. I think I'm done in the States, man. Uh, unless like there's, there's like other little ones, but as far as crossing it, I'm done. Um, <laughs> I don't want to cross it anymore. Uh, I would say kind of in the books would be cool to do. I've done an iron, I've done a triathlon with a 90 pound hammer on my back. I'd like to do an iron man with a hundred pound log. So that'd be cool. God. I think I could do that. So, and, yeah. and the log floats. So that's cool. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like water. So I'll, I'll tell you this, man, if you ever do a duathlon in oh. the States, call me up and I'll, I'll be the first one to sign up with you. Nice. I'm in it, man. I honestly thought I was going to start doing duathlons because I didn't know how to swim. Exactly. I, like, I hate swimming. I almost just started doing them because I just didn't like swimming. So if you ever do it, <laughs> let me know i'll be there has anybody oh. trekked from alaska to chile um i know people cycle that a lot people cycle yeah. it a lot huh. um but as far as like walking i'm sure someone had to walk it there's actually i don't know the, i mean you can say people have but like my thing was i never wanted to get into a car so we had an issue coming up um by el centro in from between yuma and san diego there's a town called el centro and there's a big pass like you start at like zero elevation and you climb up to 4181 and uh you have to kind of go from el centro it's 60 miles to like the top of the mountain and as you approach it like you can cycle at the grade so at the very bottom of the mountain you can start cycling up it but you can't cycle to it so it's like you know we're about you know we cycle it's me and this other guy he came all the way from san diego uh, just to cycle. He drove all the way to El Centro to cycle with me. And we started approaching it and we hit an aid station on the side of the road at night. And the cop pulls up behind us, asks what we're doing. And he's like, all right, like, you know, just letting you know, like, be safe, be careful. All right, cool. And like, no more than five minutes later, another cop is like pulled over in the front, like waving us down with his flashlight. And I'm like, oh crap, man, what's up? He's like, hey, you can't be up here. Like, you have a mile to the grade, get in the RV, drive to the grade, and then you guys can start. And I'm like, Listen, man, I know this is going to be a no, but like, I can't get in the car. Like, can you escort us? Like, here's what I've done. The swim, the bike, like the runs coming up. Like if I get in that car for a mile, it ruins this all for me. I can't say I cycled across the country if I get in the car, even for a mile. Yeah. And he's like, I can't escort you. But what I can do is I can get in my car and I'll see you guys at the grade. And I was like, perfect. Get in the car and go. And so you know, our film guy was like, so what, what does that mean? We're like, shut up, get in the car. Let's go. Let's just no questions. Let's just go. <laughs> and so we start, we start booking it and he starts honking the horn again. And we did this before in Arizona when we got pulled over, he would honk the horn. I'd look back there'd be a cop and we'd stop. So he, uh, honks the horn again. I look back and there's a cop pulling us over and I'm like, Oh, dang it. And I'm like, all right, we have to be under a mile. And there's this guy Verby with me. And I'm like, I don't even tell him. I just start racing. Cause I'm like, he, the cop can only pull one of us over. He's either pulling the cyclist or the car. So I'm like, just go, we're going to outrun him. And so we just raced to the, to the grade. And we came to find out he wasn't pulling us over. He was heading to an accident because there, it was 50 mile. It was 40 to 50 mile per hour winds and gusts that night. Like it was, it was hard. It took us like two hours to go like four or six miles up this hill. And it was, we were on the bikes the whole time. We didn't get off. And it took us that long to go like six miles at most because of how bad the wind was and it blew some car into a trailer and they flipped over and turned around. And so it was a gnarly night, but yeah. So that story about, I didn't want to get in the car for a mile. Um, the Darien gap, nobody's ever crossed the Darien gap. So that's what I, I was, that's exactly why I asked that question. 
Yeah. I don't know if I'd ever push it, but if I did, I've looked into it. If I did, I would push the Darien gap. I wouldn't, I'd refuse to get into a boat or a car. Hmm. I have tried I to who, do it on, on enduro bikes and they who did? somebody tried to oh. do it on enduro bikes and they're unsuccessful. Were they, were they turned around or they, kidnapped? I think it was just the brush was too thick. It oh, was man. just, I mean, they're a bushwhack. I mean, the Darien yeah. gap is just Dude. hundreds of miles of bush, you know, with militia in it and everything or a yep. gorilla. Yep. Yeah, man. That, that, that'd be my final hurrah. I'd be, I'd have to say my goodbyes before I go. Yeah. I, knowing you, you probably goof off a few minutes too beforehand. Like you were with the, the guys from Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? That might be the key to success. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that might save you. <laughs> if, if this guy oh. is so stupid. We can't kill him. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You're not stupid, man. <laughs> he's, not, he's not even scared. Why is he smiling? <laughs> Justin, um, uh, where can people find you, man? Where can they see where you're going, heading, uh, any updates? Where, where can people yeah. find you, man? Uh, so Instagram is mostly where I share stuff on, and that is the real Justin True. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my website, truetriathlon.org. Okay. And I know I left, but you call yourself a lone wolf. And yeah. my buddy, Jose, went to Mexico, saw this hat and thought of me. So I thought I'd... Uh, I like Put it. it on and uh, do the closeout if that's okay. Oh, yeah, 100%. All right. Justin, thank you for your time. Thank you for speaking up for the little men who struggle expressing themselves. You call yourself a lone wolf, but in reality, you are the leader of the pack. From a guy who calls himself a lone wolf, me, I finally realized not too long ago that I'm not a lone wolf. I might feel that way at times. And from my past, but in reality, I'm loyal to the pack, will do anything for the team, even if it includes sacrificing myself. You, sir, are amongst men. Keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for your time, sir. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, fellas. Thank you. I appreciate it. What was that? You cut out. Oh, I. I said, thank you. And I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Anytime you want to come up North and do something, man, you know, give us a call, but thank you. 